Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Let's, let's all stand and sing our song of praise. He is exalted. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. He is exalted forever. Exalted and I will if you will. We want to welcome each and everyone present today, and we welcome all those who are tuning in live as well. And we thank everyone for coming in to worship with us today. And we trust that today is a day in which we will rejoice together and uh, be glad that this is a day that God has graced us with and uh, brushed us with. We trust that everybody is doing good and life is good, but we want to just worship the Lord in spirit and in truth today and, and be still and know that He is God and recognize the joy of the Lord on this day. And so uh, we're thankful for each and everyone who's uh, worshiping with us and, uh, and trust that we'll have a, a good time together. So let's, uh, let's begin uh, with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you grant to us the opportunity uh, to be able to, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to be able to be in this place and to be able to tune in together and to experience you in all your glory and all your might. We recognize that worship is about you and not about us but we also recognize that being in your presence is a blessing. And we thank you for that blessing of being your son and your daughters. And we just ask that, that everything we do in this service will be an uplift to you and bring glory and honor unto your name. And we just give you thanks for all things. Now, all that you care for us and all that you provide. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. Well, it bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. Just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Oh, ladies, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles He will hear our faintest cry He will answer by and by Feel a little prayer will turn it You know a little fire is burning Have a little talk with Jesus Makes it right Sometimes my Seems dream without a ray of cheer. Then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of day. Well, the mist of sin may rise and hide the starry skies. But just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Have a little talk with Jesus Let's tell him all about our troubles He will hear our faintest cry He will answer by and by When you feel a little prayer will turn it You know a little fire is burning 
have a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Oh, ladies, have a little talk with Jesus. Ladies, tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn it, you know a little fire is burning. Have a little talk with Jesus makes it right. And when you feel a little prayer will turn it, you know a little fire is burning. Have a little talk with Jesus makes it right. All right. Hope that gets your spirit moving, right? Uh, well, I want to talk with you this morning about a movement of prayer. And I'd ask them to do that song just to to give us an introduction to, you know, when we, when we have a little talk with Jesus, have a little talk with God, and, and what happens in the midst of that talk and what happens in the midst of the prayer that we, we offer to God, and, and what does God do for us, what, do we, what happens to us in the middle of that prayer, and all those sorts of things. Those dynamics are good, and so that's what I want to talk with you about. And I'm going to be looking at several scripture once again and I'll try to reference those and those who are uh, tuning in at home and uh, tuning in at other places. I'll try to go slow enough so you can at least write down the reference if you happen to miss it. And, uh, and first of all, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 23 through 37. In Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 37, entitled a message, A Movement of Prayer. It's one of those passages in Acts to where you look at the, the disciples, and they've come together as a body of believers, and they believe in prayer. They believe that when they talk to God, that God listens, and they also believe that when they talk to God and God listens, that God will respond to that prayer, not necessarily at, the, at their, their request, knowing that it's in God's timing and it's God's answer, but yet they realize that they're having communication with the Father. And so you and I must be reminded today that when we pray, that we're having conversation with the Father, that we're having conversation with the God of this universe, the very one that created us and the one that has molded us and, and, remake, and is remaking us every day is the very one we're communicating to. During the good times of our life, during the stressful times of our life, during the times of our life when we're up against the greatest challenge, when we're up against, in, a, in our time of our life, when we're up against the, the greatest excitement, we realize that it is God the Father we're communicating to. So let's talk about a movement of prayer based on Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 37. Beginning in verse 23, after they, had released, after they were released, they went to their own fellowship and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices to God unanimously and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And you said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of your father David, your servants, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers assembled together against the Lord and against the Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod the Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider the threats and grant that your slaves may speak your message with complete boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing, signs, and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed... This is the key. When they had prayed, the place that they were at was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak God's message with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was on them all. 
For there was not a needy person among them because all those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and then they were distributed to each person as anyone had a need. Something happened when they prayed, didn't it? When they got down to the real base, brass roots and the basics of their, their faith, of kneeling before the Father, something happened when they began to have conversation with God. Something happened physically to the structure that they were in that the place that they were at began to shake. It was not a phenomenon called an earthquake that happened. It was God moving in their midst by his power and his might, and he shook the foundation of their life as they cast their prayer before the Father, and something happened, and it changed those people for the rest of their life because they believed that God could do amazing things. And as a result, God would do just that. And so as we think about this movement of prayer, I ask you this question, what is the purpose of a prayer? What is the purpose of a prayer? Now, you might say, well, the purpose of a prayer is that I can cast my request before God. Now, that's not a wrong answer. That's true. That's what happens. A purpose of prayer could be that, that, that God uh, is, is given full reign to move and breathe in our life. Again, that's not a wrong answer. That's what happens. But when you get down to the, the brass roots of what is the purpose of a prayer, it's obviously God doesn't need us, so what is prayer for? If it's not for the Father, then who is it for? But you and me. And what happens in the transaction between my heart and the heart of the Father when we pray? What happens to, your, to you personally when you get on your knees or in your posture of prayer and you begin to pray? What is the purpose of all that? Is it just so that you can close your eyes and bow your head and close out all your distractions and be separate for just a moment and be private in your moment of faith? Again, that, that happens, but that may not necessarily be the real purpose of a prayer. The real purpose of a prayer is that we are changed because of the experience of being with the Father. And when you and I pray and something happens, then what does it do to the inside of you and I? What does it do to the mind and the heart and the will and the drive and the motivation? What does it do to all that within us? It excites us. It changes us. It does something different for us than we could ever imagine. And so here, the purpose of this prayer and all the context that we read in Acts, their prayer was... Lord, we're asking that in all of, this, all of these distractions in our life, the things that people are speaking against you, the things that, that they, they have tried to chain us up and put us in prison, all the things they're trying to do to get rid of Christianity, their one prayer is, God, grant us the courage, grant us the power that we will continue to speak your name in boldness to the community in which we live. That was their request. And what happened is that we know God answered their request. And we know they continued to speak with boldness and they were changed individuals in the midst of that speaking. So if you don't want to be changed, you better not pray. Because <laughs> it's going to change you. It's going to change the person you are. It's going to change the mindset that you have. It's going to change the attitude that you carry. It's going to change the vision that you have. It's going to change your whole outlook in life. You're going to begin to love people that you thought were unlovable, and you're going to want to help people in whom you never thought you could want to help. You're going to want to do things that you never dreamed that you had the power, the courage to ever do. Why is that? Because God begins to work through that prayer in the personal life of who you and I are. So let's talk about what happens when we pray. 
there are two things that happen when we pray. And it's a lot of things we could put in the, in the sequence of events, yes. But it comes down to two basic things. Number one, God listens. God listens. Nowhere in Scripture where you'll, you'll find that God puts a hold on us to where he says, okay, thank you for coming to me, but I'm busy right now, so I'm going to put you on hold. You will not find that. In fact, you'll find just the opposite, that when we begin to pray to God, something happens that we grab the attention of our Father, and God listens. He wants to hear from you and I. He wants to, he wants to hear what we have to say. In fact, in Psalm 69, verse 33, in Psalm 69, verse 33, it says this, For the Lord listens to the needy, and does not despise his own who are prisoners. He listens to those who are needy. In other words, when you bow before the Father and you cast your cares before him, God listens. Now, there are times in my relationship, and it happens every day, it seems like, when Renee says to me, are you listening? <laughs> and I have to admit, Yes, but no. I heard you speak, but I don't know what you said. You know, we've all been there. And it happens to each spouse. It happens to moms and dads with children. It happens in the work environment. When we're trying to multitask and do many different things, we're hearing, but we're just not listening. But it doesn't happen that way with God. When God hears us, he listens. He listens to your cry. He listens to your cares. He listens to what your heart is. And yet, he's ready to do something in the midst of that listening that can change the person you are. God listens. I'm thankful that God hears me. There are times when I hope he didn't. Maybe when I was angry and I said a few choice words or I expressed myself in a wrong manner to God. Or I may have said something to him that I realized, no, I was actually trying to tell him how to answer the prayer. You know, those sort, and I wish I could take it back, but I couldn't. But I'm thankful that God listens, and even in my blunders and my fumbling through the prayer time, that God doesn't turn a deaf ear to me. He doesn't turn a deaf ear to you, and he understands who you are. He, he's created you. And from the very moment you were even a thought, you were created, he had you in his hand. In your mother's womb, he was forming you. He was exciting that another person's entering the world who has opportunity to have relationship with holy God and will be given opportunity at some point in their life to say yes to Jesus, surrender their life, and understand what it means to be in his care and to be a believer, to be his son and his daughter. And God listens, and he listens to our needs. You say, well, if I gave him all my needs, I would bore him to death. That's okay. God's a big boy. He can handle it. He can handle everybody's needs at one time, and there's nothing too weighty, and there's nothing too surprising that you could ever say to God or give to God that he can't handle. So if you're a little bit bashful saying, I don't know if I want to give him all of this, just give him a chance. I promise you, he can take whatever's on your heart, whatever's got you captive right now emotionally in your life, even if you have to express anger, even if you have to express that you're not where you used to be in your relationship or fellowship with him, whatever you've got to express to him, God's not going to turn a deaf ear. He's going to open his heart to you and say, I'm here to listen. And he will listen to you. And it will not cause him to run. He will not hide behind cloud eight. He will not run behind the door of a mansion. He will not run down the pearly gates from the pearly gates or the streets of gold or, or the rivers of life. He will not run from you. He will invite you to, into his presence. So it's Psalm 69 Verse 3, 33 says, God listens to the needy. Now, in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 6, 
The second thing that happens is not only that God listens, the second thing that happens when we pray is that we become still. We become still. And when I'm talking about being still, now that doesn't mean many times we can pray a prayer and be walking. We can do prayer walking. We can do prayer driving. Just don't close your eyes. You can do all sorts of things. You can, you can be in movement. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being still on the inside and recognizing that he is God to recognizing that he is communicating to us at that very moment. And in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 6, it says this. Psalm 32, 1 through 6, it says, How happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How happy is the man that the Lord does not charge with sin, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, the psalmist says, my bones became brittle and my groaning all day long. For night and day your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you took away the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you at a time that they may be found. If you look at that Hebrew word, that they may become still. That they may come to a place in their life to where that person realizes who God is and who, the pers- who we are as a person. In other words, we can't do anything about our transgressions. We can't do anything about our iniquities. We can't do anything that causes the debt that's there on our life. It is in God's hands. And of course, he took care of the debt through Christ on the cross. He took care of the, of the transgressions. He took care of the iniquities. And as a result, he has given us forgiveness. He's given us freedom. He set the prisoners free. He's allowed us to become slaves in joy unto the master of the world, to the king of kings and lord of lords. And we realize that in that movement, we are becoming still within us, that we're realizing, ah, the awesomeness of the Lord God, the awesomeness of who he is, and the the littleness, if I may use that word, of who we are. God is God knows what he's doing. He knows what, what happens when we pray. He's excited when you bow your head or you get on your knee or you get in that posture of prayer. You get into that prayer closet. You close out all the distractions. You become still and you listen to God as he listens to you. He's excited that something's going to happen between you and God. You, you and I, an individual created in this world that just is minute, compared to the vastness of the entire universe is talking to the one who created this vast universe. That's awesome. And we have the attention of God the Father when we say, Abba, Daddy, here is my request. I'm broken in my spirit. I'm dealing with difficulty in my life. I'm up against the greatest challenge of my life. I don't know the decision I need to make. I don't know where I need to move to. I don't know what I need to do. I don't know what I need to to say in the next move. So Abba, Father, here I am. And something happens when we surrender and we become obedient and we become still and we're communicating to God the Father. So what happens when we pray? First of all, God listens. And second of all, we begin to listen and we become still. But what prayer will do? Let me talk to you about what prayer will do to you and me, to others around us, to the world in which we live. Again, these are, these are not points that are profound and they're not points that you're going to say, oh, I've never thought about that before. These are just reminders that each of us know deep down embedded within our faith that we know happens, but sometimes we need to be reminded as we get excited about when we pray to God. In Matthew chapter 17, in verses 20 through 21, it says this. In verse 20 
And 21, because of your little faith, he told them, for I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible with God because all things are possible with him. However, this kind does not come out exception, but by prayer and fasting. What happens? What will prayer do? Number one, it changes the impossible. Now, if I go to the Appalachian Plain and I'm standing at the base there in Hendersonville, North Carolina, or I move towards the Great Smoky Mountains, Tracy, and I'm standing at the base of that mountain, and I look at the size of who I am compared to the vastness of that mountain range, it is, it is impossible for me to pick that mountain up and to move it. It is impossible for that mountain to move in my strength and in my capabilities. Now, many years ago when I was a little boy, uh, we used to travel from uh, Georgetown, South Carolina and go on vacation for a week and see all our family in Jackson, uh, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, on into Little Rock, Arkansas, and that's where my family, my mother's family, always lived. And I remember the day that my mom's mouth and I heard her gasp of her air. <gasps> We're driving straight through what used to be a mountain. We used to have to go through uh, get off there in Waynesville, North Carolina, head on up, and you had to kind of maneuver all the way around and up through Cherokee, all the way back down, two and two and a half to three hour trip, going around the mountain, and to get back. And then all of a sudden, someone had an idea. Let's cut right through the mountain, and let's build an interstate. And let's just go right on through. And it was amazing that we no longer had to break up the trip in two days, we could drive it straight through in 12 hours instead of it being 16-hour drive to Jackson, Tennessee. My mom was dumbfounded that a mountain was there at one time and now it had been moved. We're not talking about tractors and trailers and we're not talking about paving equipment. We're not talking about demolishing a mountain. We're talking about standing at the base of a mountain of the impossible and we say to that mountain, move and it moves. We're talking about the impossible. And prayer helps us to change the impossible. It's impossible for me to communicate to any person on the face of this earth and convince them of their need for Christ. It is impossible for me to do that. It's impossible for me to make that change that is. But it is possible when we begin to pray for that person, that their heart becomes melted before God, that they see their sin, they see their need for God, then all of a sudden something happens. They get up from their knees and they realize that they are now a son or a daughter of God. The impossible just happened. From the impossible. God is a God who can take care of the impossible. It's impossible when you go into a cancer center and the doctor says you're going, you've got a year to live and all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're a survivor of cancer and it still can't be found anywhere in your body. It's impossible for the doctors to take care of that, but it is possible with God. It's amazing what happens when the faith of a mustard seed begins to grow. Mountains move, people are healed, life is changed, and life becomes good all because of one movement of prayer. When the heart of that child falls down before the Father who is the creator of the world and we cast our cares before him and we place all our needs into the Father's hands and all of a sudden the impossible becomes possible. Nothing because of what we've done other than just asking God to listen. And we get out of the way and become still. 
and we let him do his work. Second of all, what will prayer do? It changes situations. It changes situations. You find in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 17, it gives us understanding about some changes. And I didn't read that Acts. I'm sorry about that. I skipped over a passage of Scripture. In Acts chapter 16, going back to the thought, the impossible changes. In Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 25 through 33, it says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundation of the jail was shaking, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains came loose. And when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew the sword because he was going to kill himself since he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, because all of us are here. And then the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he escorted them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? So they said to him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, you and your whole household. And the scripture goes on that the whole household was saved. They're all baptized together, and God did amazing things. What looked like the impossible there in a jail cell became possible because life was changed when God began to do his work. When Paul and Silas became still, God listened. They became still. God did his work, and prayer changed the impossible. Now in 2 Kings chapter 6, Verses 15 and 17, we're talking about how God changes situations. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through verse 17, when the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elijah, Oh, my master, what are we going to do? And Elijah says, don't be afraid for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Prayer changes situations. Whether it be two people up against a 10,000 army, realizing Elijah had the vision to see beyond the visible, beyond the temporal, he could see into the eternal and he could see the invisible and he could see God at work all around him. Things began to happen and, and God allowed those things to take place in their life to get them to the point where they knew they were surrounded, they knew they were defeated, they knew that they were trapped, they knew they were fortified by the enemy and all of a sudden God changed the situation when Elijah says the people with us outnumber the people with them. Trust me, my friend. Prayer changes situations. Prayer can change the world. Prayer can change an administration. Prayer can change a virus. Prayer can change sickness. Prayer can change your life. Prayer can change my life. Prayer changes the impossible to become possible, changes the situations that looked totally defeated into that which is now you're able to live through with God's glory and his cause. What else will prayer do? Number three is that prayer changes people. In Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 39, in Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 39, listen to what Jesus says. Prayer changes people, right? That's what we're talking about. Listen to the most powerful prayer that's ever been prayed. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out. Jesus prayed in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Shabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of the, those standing there heard this, they heard Jesus' prayer, looking, he's calling, he looked up, he said, Look, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on the reed, offered it for him to drink. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. But Jesus cried out in a loud voice. 
He prayed again to the Father. He cried out, and he breathed his last word. He breathed his last breath, and he said his last word. And what was that we know that he said? It is finished. The greatest prayer that he ever prayed, he said, Father, I realize that this is necessary, but I don't want to feel one iota of an experience of being separated from you as a father. I don't want any separation to happen. And, but yet, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's why he was praying it. And here he was, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He realized at that very moment in his life, at that very moment, what happened? He was taking on the sin of the world. And But when he said, Lord, it is finished, he knew something good had happened. He knew that he opened the door he took the key out the keyhole. He turned the key. He took it out. He opened the door. And for everyone who believes has the opportunity to be a changed individual. And it happened right there at the base of the cross when the centurion stood there and said, Surely this man was and is the Son of God. Right there and then, it proves a prayer can change a person. If you want change to happen in your person's life, whoever that person is, pray for them. Don't pray that they'll serve you or do better so that you can be benefit. That's not the prayer. I know we are tempted to do that. Lord, I pray for my wife that she'll do this so I'll be experiencing this. Now, we're not talking about that kind of manipulation. We're talking about praying wholeheartedly for that person and saying, Lord, I pray for their salvation. I pray that they will have the beautiful experience of their spiritual eyes coming open. And when they open their eyes like Paul opened his eyes on the Damascus Road, that they will see the face of Jesus and they will come and fall in love with Jesus and they will be a changed individual because of that experience. That they will be brand new people from that day on. I know it's tempting to say, Lord, help that person to get rid of that alcoholism in their life. Lord, help them get rid of that drug addiction. Lord, help them get loose of this, that, and the other. I know it's easy to pray those things, and, and it's a very strong concern of the heart, and we should pray those things. But many times it goes back to the number one need, that if the person opened their eyes and saw Jesus, Jesus would take care of all those other things because they'll realize the importance of giving it to God and then they'll seek help. Then they'll seek guidance and then they'll be released eventually as they invite others into their life to relieve them. Prayer changes people. Years ago, I didn't know it at the time, but my grandmother had a long list. Those grandmothers in our life are wonderful ladies. I know we all have those wonderful grandmothers. And, you know, she, she never publicized it. She never said to me, I'm praying for you, son. She just had a list and she prayed. And when she died, I knew I lost the prayer warrior. You know, I knew that. I felt that. I, 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 I even had that thought, oh, my goodness. I've lost someone who knew me inside and out and love me regardless of what I've done, and I've lost that prayer warrior. I knew that. That was the heartfelt thing. We all had those experiences. But when my grandmother died, she sat on the side of her bed. She was battling cancer. She had um, esophagus cancer, and it was an excruciating death for her. And she sat up on the side of the bed, and her sister was there tending to her bedside, she was very weak. Just, just, she was just in, her, in the dying moments. But she had enough strength to sit up on the side of the bed for a couple of hours. Just, just like she was if nothing was wrong. Asked her sister to hand her some paper and a pen. And she wrote letters to everyone in the family. Everyone in the family that was lost. Those who were saved, she didn't write us a letter. So when, they, when the letters were passed out, I was thinking, all right, I get my letter from my grandmother. And I didn't get a letter. And I couldn't realize why I didn't get a letter. 
until I was able to see someone else's letter and it made sense. Even in her dying moment, she was praying for the salvation of the lost family members of her life. Every one of them, including my father and my brother and sister, all those in line, all came to know Christ in due time. Beautiful. Prayer changes people. Don't ever think that your prayer doesn't go unanswered or unnoticed. God listens. He wants to have fellowship with you. As Mark 15 says, he had fellowship with Jesus even in his dying moment. It is finished. Keep praying until you can pray that same prayer. It is finished. Number four and last, this is the exciting part, is that prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. It's not just about the impossible. It's not just about changing the situations. It's not just about changing the people of our life, but prayer changes us. And in Psalm 139, I was trying to think of there's several scriptures I could have went to, but one of them just jumped right back off the page at me. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Test me and know my concerns and see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, if you don't want change, then don't pray this prayer. You hear me? Now, I'm not telling you not to pray. I'm just telling you the negation of that is when you pray it, it's going to change you. I know that. Search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there's anything within me, in my emotions, in my will, in my thoughts, in my drive, and all that's within me. If there's any concern you see within me, Father, I ask that you take that offensiveness that's within me and pull it out of me so that I am led in the way of everlasting, that I am led on the path of eternalness, that I am led on the path of righteousness, that I am led on the path of your holiness. Search me, O God, and see if there's anything unholy in my life so that I can become holy in your sight. Now, God's not going to say, man, you're not ready for it. If I do what you just asked me, you're never going to put shoes on your feet again because the power within you is going to blow them off every time you put them on. He's not going to say, I'm not going to answer that. If you fall before the Father and you reach out to Him, again, whatever posture you need to be in, whether you need to be on your knees looking up or you need to be curled under praying down or you need to be laying face down on the floor or you need to be sitting under an oak tree or you need to be sitting out there in the beauty of the ocean, wherever you are, pray that prayer. Search me, O God, and know me. Help me to know what you know. Help me to see what you see and begin to stir within me. Create an earthquake within me to shake my foundation so that the jail cell can become open. I can step out of that jail cell and I can step onto the road of everlasting. Not, we're not talking about praying that I can step on the road of eternal life. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the present, the everyday. We're talking about the road of righteousness. Lead me in the way of everlasting. He will answer it. You know why? Because God listens. And you know what else happens? When he listens and we know it, and he's beginning to work within us, we become still. And God works anew all within us. That's exciting. 
because we're going to rise from our knees or whatever posture of prayer, we're going to rise and we're going to be changed individuals. And something's going to happen to us that's going to change us for the rest of our life. I wish I knew the minister that went fishing that day over the gentleman out in the area of Williamsburg County who we had witnessed to this guy over and over. He put out in his little boat and he paddled out into the pond and he was all by himself and he had been witnessed to over and over and over, point blank asked over and over, will you commit your life to Jesus? Will you let God change your life? Will you, will you give him your sin? Will you give him your life? Will you be saved this day? And he'd always say, no, 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 no. And on that day, that old retired minister happened to have a little boat and he paddled on that same pond and the two met in the middle and they began to have conversation and that older minister began to talk to him and right there on that pond he gave his life to Jesus and he come rushing back to the parsonage where I lived squilling his tires down the highway sliding into my driveway sideways and I knew something was wrong, and he just said, is the church open? I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's a, I'm glad you're eager to go to church, but, you know, it's, it's already ended. And this is on a Sunday afternoon, Father's Day Sunday. And he run, I said, sure, it's open. I never locked it. He took off, so I had to go see what was happening. And I gave him time, and as I walked in the door, there he was confessing his sin at the altar of God, confessing everything that he had ever done, crying out to God, asking him to save him. And I walked up to him, and I put my hand on his head as he was trying to get up, and I was pressing him down, and he was pressing back. I said, no, 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 no. No, no, I want you to know something. You went down on your knees, one individual, but you're getting ready to stand to your feet completely new in Christ and live life to the fullest. And he stood up, and I could see it in his face. You see, he was changed because he cast his cares before the Father, and he says, God, here am I, change me. And God moved and changed him. Prayer changes us one person at a time. Don't ever give up on that person you're praying for. Let me give you some encouragement. Don't ever give up on her. Don't ever give up on him. Don't ever give up on that situation. Don't ever give up on what looks like a mountain in front of you. Don't ever give up on those things. But allow God to work anew in brightness of your life because prayer, the purpose of prayer is so that we can see God. There's the answer to the question that I asked you at the beginning. The purpose of a prayer is so that you and I will see God. It's not so that we see us or that we see a mountain move or we see a situation change or we see a person change or we become changed. It's so that we can see God. That was the whole purpose of Paul falling to his knees on Damascus Road. It was the whole purpose of the jailer wanting to kill himself because he saw something. He couldn't see at that moment what was happening. He just knew that the prisoners went free and he was responsible for it and he, he couldn't face the commander-in-chief of his life. Prayer helps us to see God. You see, a movement of prayer is all about God, not about us. So let me ask you this closing question. What do you expect to happen when you pray? What do you expect to happen when you pray? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says this. Listen, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in to him, have dinner with him, or sup with him, 
fellowship with him. Enter his life and he with me. What do you expect to happen when you pray? This verse here gives you the impression that God's already at the door knocking. He's already on the other side of the door knocking. He's waiting for us to, to pick, to take the, the doorknob and turn it a little bit. So that when we open the door, what are we going to see? God. Prayer is about God. It's about what God can do. It's about what God does. And it's what God changes. And it's what he works anew in every person's heart and life. And he says that if you open the door, because we're not puppets on the string, he says, I'll give you the opportunity to make your own choice. If you'll open the door yourself, he said, I will enter in in your threshold of your life I will break through the exterior. I will hit the interior. I will change your DNA from the inside out. I will come into you. I will breathe life into you. I, my spirit will live within you. And your spirit of who you are will be interconnected with the spirit of who I am. And we will be together forever. And we will fellowship one with another. I will sup with you, you with me. Wow. That changes the perspective on prayer, doesn't it? I wish someone would take the congressional leaders by the hand and lead them through this understanding. The president, doctors, nurses, school teachers, administrations, wherever we go, churches, people, restaurants, waitresses, waiters, business owners, take them by the hand, help them to understand that we are at the door of something great. And if we open the door, something on the other side of the door is waiting to be seen that will change our life for the rest of our life. It will be a mind reorienting, character transplanting, liberating experience with the Lord Jesus Christ beyond description. That's what happens when we pray. Now here in this message, one of two things is going to happen. You're never going to pray again or you're going to be excited to go right into prayer as soon as we leave. And I think it's going to be the latter. God is a God who waits for us to call his name. Lord, Jehovah, Whatever name Yahweh, Christ, Messiah, Daddy, Elohim, on and on we go. Whatever name you call him, he's waiting to hear you call his name. The great I am, as Moses learned at the burning bush. And he's waiting for you to turn the knob. Because he's not going to be... Maybe he might would like to stand behind the threshold and stand like this and go, boo. <laughs> you know, like we do with children, boo. But I think he's there with the smiling face and the arms open wide, just anticipating, watching that knob turn just a little bit and say, oh, my goodness, something good's getting ready to happen. Benji is finally turning the dad blame knob that I've been trying to get him to turn for 20 years. And something's getting ready to happen when he opens that door and he sees my face and he's going to see God. He's going to see me and it's going to change him for the rest of his life. That's what happens when we pray. So do you need to spend some time in prayer today? Do you need to call out to the Father? If you've got a problem, no big deal. It's a big deal to you, I know, but it's no big deal to him. You got an anger issue, no big deal. I know it's a big deal to you, but it's no big deal to him. You've got some exciting news to share with him. I know it's something that's right off the tip of your tongue, but again, it's really no big deal to him. He's waiting to hear the biggest deal there is, the biggest deal that you can give him and I can give him 
It's when we turn that knob and we open the door and there he is. Do you need to spend more time in prayer? I'm not going to predict what's going to happen other than you will see his face. And something will happen. And I'll let you testify later as to what it will be. Let's pray together. Father, we stand at the other side of that door today. And we're hearing you knock so ever loudly. And we are so excited to turn that knob and open the door because we realize on the other side of that threshold is a new experience of blessing and freshness of who you are for our individual lives. Lord, we thank you that you are anticipating the turning of the knob and you're anticipating the change that will happen all around us. Not just the change of the impossible, not just the change of situations and the people, but the change that can happen in our individual lives. Father, thank you for receiving us and thank you for listening as we cast our cares before you. Father, melt our heart before you. Call us to be your people with more excitement and joy and boldness and power. Call us to be a people representative of a kingdom in the midst of this minor kingdom, in the midst of your great kingdom. The kingdom of this earth will pass away, but your kingdom lasts forever. Father, thank you for allowing us to be your ambassadors every day and your priest every way. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one who guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need Song to rise to you. 
temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand I fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay So teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way when I cannot stand, I fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one. My right.